is amazing 
he's never caught off guard. He knows everything about everyone and everything and exists eternally in that moment where things are happening. And that's an incredible reality. We've talked about that from time to time. The eternity of God, the omnipresence of God, the the fact that he is everywhere all at once, not, not only in this moment, but throughout all of eternity. He is in every moment of eternity all at once. That's an incredible truth and impacts who we are as individuals even when we're not thinking about the theology of that. God had told his people that he had a plan for their redemption. And God-fearing Jews lived with that promise, that hope in the back of their minds. Wherever they were, whatever they were doing, and especially when they went to the place of worship, they were remembering the promised Messiah. That God had a plan for their redemption that went far beyond what they could ever do for themselves. And they believed that and they clung to that. But what I, what I want us to think about today as we begin this Advent season is the God who is forever present, who is always working for our good, even when we don't understand how some things are for our good. Those things that we expect from Him often come in unexpected ways. There is a mystery, if you will, about the moving of God uh, in our lives and among our fellowship throughout generations it's true and so while the Jews expected Messiah they never expected it to be Jesus and I'm talking about the person who was conceived by the Holy Spirit in a young virgin an immaculate conception a God thing where God would enter the human race, clothed with flesh, would walk among us that we might have the opportunity to see Him, to hear Him. Not just from the prophets. In Hebrews it says, in times past, God spoke to His people in a diversity of ways through the prophets and, and through the writings. But in these last days, He has made Himself known to us through His one and only Son. And what's amazing to me is when God walked into the middle of people in that day, many of them did not see Him for who He was. And I'm humbled as I think about that, because I realize there's a real possibility that God could make his entrance into our lives, into my life today, and I might not notice that it's him moving. Because it may be contrary to what I've conjured up in my thinking about what I should expect if he shows up. Jesus told his followers that... Uh, there are going to be times when you're ministering and you're going to have the opportunity to make the difference for someone who is at the bottom of, of the scale, if you will, when it comes to measuring humanity. They will be the least of people in your eyes, but when you serve them, you will actually be serving me. How many times has the Lord 
come into our presence in the form of a stranger and we didn't recognize it was Him bringing His presence to our lives, bringing an opportunity to us to move closer into our relationship with Him and His purpose for our lives. Matthew 1 is where I want to take you today on this first Sunday of Advent. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 18. Matthew offers the genealogy of Christ. And uh, he was a detailed person. You can tell that as he writes the gospel. And I don't know if any of you all have, uh, have watched The Chosen, the video series, but now uh, season three is out. And so you can begin to, to watch those videos as well. And, and as you watch them, uh, the writer, the creator of that series has done an amazing job in portraying the character of the different players, if you will, the different disciples and Jesus himself. And in one of the, in one of the scenes, uh, John is, is sitting with his mother and he's beginning to write down the gospel account that, that as he perceives it, and his mom challenges him, you might want to say something about the lineage. And he said, oh, Matthew will cover that. And so we, you know, it portrays uh, in, in just a fine fashion that, that they were many different characters. And Matthew was one of those detailed people. And so after he shares the genealogy, here's what he says. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. He wants to nail that down. This is the promised one of God. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together as husband and wife, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Who wouldn't? I mean, if you were Joseph, men, if you were him, would you not also think, you know, something's wrong here. I think I'm going to move away from this relationship. And that's what he was deciding. But he was, he was a, a man of character and he thought, I'm, I'm not going to make uh, this a disgraceful moment for her. I'm just going to kind of ride off in the sunset, leave her to herself, and, and I'll go find my new tomorrow. And as he's thinking those thoughts, the angel of the Lord said this to him. It says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, and maybe the angel had to appear in a dream because he would not be quiet long enough for God to have his say unless he were asleep. But whatever, in a dream, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we find God fulfilling the promise that He had made centuries before. Hundreds of years before this came to pass, God promised that this would happen. That He would send a Savior and that this Savior would be born of a virgin. 
and would come forth as the only begotten of the Heavenly Father. That was the promise. And so Mary was chosen by God, but I want you to think about this. Mary expected Messiah. She never expected to be the virgin who would bear Messiah. And so when the Scripture says, when you go to Luke's version, and we may look at that another Sunday, when you go to Luke's version, you find that Mary is receiving the message. And when the Lord has declared to her through the angel what is to happen, she says, may it be unto your servant as you have decided. Now I want you to think about what an incredible obedience that really was. That while she was expecting Messiah and Though she was longing for Messiah, I think because she was just a quiet little teenage young lady in Israel, she preferred to be in the shadow, shadows of what was happening rather than center stage. But God chose her. And when God chooses you, that's something to reckon with. That's something to be wrestled with. That's something to take into serious consideration. That is something to be obeyed in our lives when we know that God has chosen us. And Mary was chosen by God to be the maiden who would bring forth the Savior into this world. It was not an easy road. We look back on it and, and we say, what an honor. And it was. But you know, you could use another word, what a hardship. And it was. Because people misunderstood her. People judged her. People did not have the sense, the God sense of what was happening in that moment. It was a difficult thing for her to bow, to yield to the plan of God as it worked out in her experience. But over and over again, she had to come back to the reality that God had made this choice. And God always is working for the good of his people. I think it was a surrender she not only made in a moment, I think it's a surrender she continued to make day after day. I think it's something that she didn't just wrestle with for, for just a minute, but it was something she wrestled with for, uh, for that whole time span and beyond. Because listen, after Jesus was delivered, all of the whispers did not go away. People were still judging her, still misunderstanding what had happened particularly among those who had not received Jesus for who he was, the Messiah. But she was chosen by God, and she embraced God's choice. And that brings me to ask myself, and I think we should all ask ourselves, are we embracing the choice that God has made for us? But then also, Joseph was called by God. And that's another word for chosen. He was called to be the earthly father of God in the flesh. Can you imagine? Scripture, tradition teaches us that Joseph was a carpenter, and so Jesus was raised in the home of a carpenter and, and was uh, nurtured in, in that trade and probably became quite proficient. In um, the things that he had learned as he lived his life beside of Joseph. Can you imagine, though, yielding yourself to this plan that God has made? Can you imagine? 
This, this is not what Joseph had dreamed of when he, when he dreamed of being married to this maiden. This, this was not in the plan at all. How many times has your life taken a turn that in the moment seemed awful, but in time became glorious? It happens, doesn't it? We expect God to show up, but we don't always expect Him to show up the way that He does. And because of His unexpected methods and ways and thoughts concerning our lives, it challenges us. But as we continue to cling to the promise of who He is and what the Scriptures teach us about who He is, and we press through the difficulty that is associated with the call, God always proves Himself. The angel appearance, it was a God thing. It was a good thing. But it revealed that God is dealing with eternity when it comes to our lives. And we tend to get stuck on the here and now, don't we? But he's up to something that goes beyond this moment, that goes beyond this difficulty, that goes beyond this misconception about what has happened in life. He, God is given to the long haul, if you will. And when the angel showed up, God was calling Mary and Joseph to come apart from the moment that they had planned to take hold of the eternity that God was purchasing for them and for mankind. What a tremendous moment in history. This moment is about God coming to this earth, clothing himself with flesh, experiencing what we experience. And it's a simple little mention, but it's a, it's a key mention in John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. When Jesus comes to the well of Sychar where he met the woman at the well, it, it, makes, this, it makes this observation, John makes this observation, Jesus sat down there by the well because he was tired. Now, you can just kind of read past that and think, well, yeah, I mean, he'd been walking he, for some distance now. He's dusty. He's, he's thirsty. He's tired. But think about this. God in Jesus knows what it is when we're tired. But not only does he know what it is when we're, when we're tired, he knows everything that has to do with this human existence in which we're wrapped up in. God came to be in our midst. He is with us. He's not just walking around as an untouchable divine, but he is walking in our midst as one who was beaten and scourged and mocked and ridiculed. Every range of emotions that we could ever experience in this life, he has experienced. And so with empathy, Jesus gives himself to our salvation. God came that we might hear Him face to face. God came that we might experience Him. Not only the prayers that Jesus offered, but the laughter that came from His life as He experienced life together with those around Him. 
what was revealed when he was in all kinds of circumstances, facing off with enemies in a gathering of children, at a family dinner, at a wedding. Wherever he was, we begin to catch glimpses of who God really is and what he is really about and why he wants us to experience who he is and what he has for us. He revealed his person and he revealed his purpose as Emmanuel. Matthew says this. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Salvation from spiritual darkness. I shared a, a verse with those who are on staff this morning. I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. I've got it handy here. It's a verse from Isaiah 9. It's one of the classic messianic verses that's found in the prophecy of Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now, this is written 800 years before the birth of Christ. But it's as if Isaiah is reporting what has actually happened. That, that's, that's how much this plan of God was real, not only in the time that it happened, but in the years that it was prophesied. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The salvation that has come to us is not something that we have taken hold of for ourselves, it's something that has been delivered to us. In Romans it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, when we were still entrenched in spiritual darkness, not able to see the light for ourselves, a light dawned. Which means the impetus was from outside of ourselves. It's not that we looked to the light, it was that the light found us. And shone on us. And so this great salvation was delivered to mankind because of God's great love for us. While we were still in darkness, he brought his light to bear in our lives. While we were still entrenched in sinful rebellion against God and his law, he came to redeem us. To give us a new vision of who he is and what his truth and what his love is all about when we were encumbered with a splintered existence, meaning one minute we're doing what is holy and the next minute we're doing what is as unrighteous as it possibly can be, when we were living a splintered existence, trying to find our way, God saved us. Don't ever lose sight of that reality. He saved us. We talk about coming to Him, and that has its place. But always understand, long before we took any step that was aimed at coming to Him, before any of that, He came to us. Jesus. An expected Messiah who came in an unexpected way. 
and maybe for them in that time, maybe an unexpected moment. Maybe there were those who had given up after hundreds of years of promise. Maybe there were those who said, ah, it won't happen. Kind of like people in our day when it comes to the second coming. Oh, it's, it's going to happen. Just as his first advent was promised, his second coming is promised. It's going to happen. Expect it. But expect it in an unexpected moment, in an unexpected way. Because the Bible says just as the lightning flashes from east to west, so will be the coming of man, of the Son of Man. Which is to say, you'll know it's happening, but it'll happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, as it's written in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. So Advent begins, and while we give ourselves to our Christmas routines, I pray that we will be people who are open to those unexpected ways in which God will make his presence known again this Advent season. Maybe it'll happen in the daytime. Maybe it'll happen in your sleep. But I pray that everybody will have a Christmas moment. I pray that every year. That you'll have that moment when the light of God breaks upon your life in such a way that without anybody having to tell you, God himself will tell you, this is what Christmas means. Enjoy your family. Enjoy all the things that you give yourselves to. We, we were the other day going somewhere, and, and Becky and Christy are on the phone, and they're trying to figure out cookie day. That's the day, a Saturday, when we get together, and we bake Christmas cookies, and, and Rachel and Emma and everybody decorates them. Um, if I'm there, I'm usually on the couch waiting to sample the goods. Not so much given to the decorating the cookies, but it's become a tradition. And there's nothing wrong with those Christmas tr traditions, right? But in the midst of all of those traditions, I pray something untraditional will happen for you this year. That something will happen that will be a breakthrough moment for you spiritually. Not, not to say that you haven't had those already, but I pray that it'll happen all over again. That the Lord... Maybe the Christmas angel will visit you. And you will have the, the awesome opportunity of knowing in that moment, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. Where two or three are gathered, he's there. I just want to be more aware of his presence, don't you? I just want to know. I want to know him. And I want to live to make him known. Merry Christmas. Lord, make your presence known in these days. You came to earth so long ago. A baby born and laid in a manger. Nobody ever dreamed that he would be born in a cattle stall. No, nobody ever thought that his bassinet would be a feed trough. Nobody dared to reckon that 
it would be shepherds. Common workers of the field who would welcome his entrance and announce it to their world. Lord, I pray that we might be open to the ways that you are wanting to make yourself known to us this year that go beyond our traditions. And maybe you'll use our traditional moments. But I just pray, Lord, that this Christmas we might be able to see you and and testify, I have seen Jesus. And I know in my heart and soul what Christmas is about. Bless this season, we pray, and be glorified because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.